0: So today's reading, we're reading Colossians chapter 2 and reading verses 6 through to 23. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatments of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence.
1: Well, good morning once again. As I said before, my name's Carl and I'm the pastor here. If you're new or visiting today, welcome. You're in good company. None of us have been here for more than two weeks, uh, but we do love having visitors here. So thank you for being with us this morning. We're here as a church, started only last week, because we understand that Jesus is supreme in everything. We understand that He is our Lord. Let me warn everyone else to know that as well. Last week we began a journey into Paul's letter to the Colossian church and we saw in chapter 1 last week that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that He's the Creator, that He's the ruler of all rulers and that He's the one who brings reconciliation. And last week I asked you this question, is this how you know Jesus? Or is your view of Jesus big enough to include him as being the creator, the ruler of rulers, the one who brings reconciliation? And having seen the supremacy of Jesus, having seen his grandeur, having seen his status, his life and his work, we looked at what I think is the very heart of this letter. We find that in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Let me read those verses to you again i'm going to borrow from a slightly different translation the one that i used last week slightly different to the one you have in front of you which says this in chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 it says therefore as you received christ jesus as the lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving Last week I borrowed an illustration from a preacher in the UK called David Jackman who suggested that walking in Jesus is a bit like putting on a pair of gumboots. Remember the idea? See, it was all about emphasising the way we walk. It's not just with Jesus, but it's actually in Him. We don't just walk with Him, but in Him. We're united with Him. That might feel a little strange at first. It might require us to change our behavior even. But ultimately, that's what it means to live in Jesus, to walk in Him. I mentioned briefly last week that Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church so that they might keep walking in Jesus. And the implication, I think, is that they uh, maybe were in danger of not doing that. See, Paul writes as a prisoner, he writes to the church in Colossi. they were still a young church, he's writing middle first century, it's a very new church. The town of Colossi was just made up of ordinary people, they were farmers, shepherds, wool merchants and wool dyers. Derek Tidball, uh, who's written many books, but a book on Colossi says, the town had no known celebrities at all, no philosophers of any note no medical or administrative claims to fame. In fact, he says the town of Colossae was distinguished only by being the most ordinary place you could imagine. Last week I said it's a bit like Adelaide, maybe I was being a little harsh on Adelaide. And yet as ordinary as this town of Colossae was, Paul was concerned about the church there. And it's not just a kind of throwaway concern either, he's working hard pleading with the church in Colossae. Let's have a look at a a few verses earlier than what Heather read to us in chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, that's the town just down the road from Colossae, and for all who have not met me personally. See, Paul's working hard, laboring for this church because he doesn't want them to slip or to fall. Rather, he wants them to pull on the Jesus gumboot, so to speak, and walk in him confident and secure without turning to the left or to the right, without adding anything else to their thinking. So, he wants them to remember that Jesus is all that they need, that Jesus is sufficient. And so, Paul's message is walk in him. Now here's our big idea for today, walk in Jesus, pull on the Jesus gumboots and walk in them so that when you get to the inevitable mud in life, you won't slip or fall. For the Colossians, that, that mud, those difficulties in life seem, at least in part, to be associated with what we call the syncretistic religion of the town. In other words, there were things being added or blended into Christianity Maybe that was some philosophy from the Greeks or some Jewish religious practices from the Jews. And it's into that sort of town, that sort of place, where Paul says, Jesus alone is enough. So walk in Him. That message is still important for us today, isn't it? See, in our world there might be many distractions... They might be different to the distractions in the town of Colossi, but still many distractions that could steal our attention away from Jesus. Distractions that might cause us to slip in the mud of life. I wonder what those distractions might be for you. They could be the hardship of broken relationships. Perhaps it's the excessive hours at work, the constant tiredness in life, the screaming of the kids, That distracts us from who Jesus is. Or it might be looking at the next-door neighbours who have the four-wheel drive and the sports car and thinking, let's follow them, they seem to have it all together. Or perhaps it's the desire for a, a life partner, a person to be pursued at all costs. Maybe it's sickness or physical pain that's distracting you. Maybe it's just about fitting in with your friends. The distractions that keep us away from Jesus are likely to be different from all of us and Paul's concern is that they won't cause us to slip or fall. That's the message in Colossians 2. If you're following along in your leaflet today, I've got an outline for where we're going. I've listed three ways in which Paul is concerned for the Colossian church that we see, I think, in this chapter. Firstly, Paul doesn't want the church to fall captive to hollow or deceptive philosophies. Secondly, he doesn't want them to grow concerned about being judged by other humans and their rules and regulations. And thirdly, he doesn't want the Colossian church to disqualify themselves by seeking after anyone or anything other than Jesus. Don't be taken captive, don't be judged, don't suffer from peer pressure and don't be disqualified Instead, Paul says, pull on the Jesus gumboots and walk in Him. Well, if you've got your Bibles open, I'd love you to uh, have a look at verse 8 of chapter 2, where we see the first of these three traps. Where Paul says this, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ." Paul says, walk in Jesus so that you won't be taken captive or you won't be kidnapped or confused by a way of thinking that depends on human traditions and ignores God. I want to be clear here, Paul is not saying, don't use your mind. He's not being anti-intellectual. He's not saying, don't go and study philosophy. But he is saying don't base your worldview, don't stake your life on anything other than Jesus. I wonder how you think that might translate into our world today. So, like the town of Clossy, Adelaide is a pluralistic society. If we were to survey Adelaide, looking for people's worldviews, I'm sure we'd find many different views. Many of those views won't have Jesus at the centre. They won't see him as the head, as the creator, as the sustainer, as the one who is supreme in everything. And Paul says those worldviews are deficient, they're hollow and deceptive. Don't be taken captive by them. That doesn't mean of course that philosophy has nothing good to offer to society or to education or life but ultimately a worldview that ignores jesus ignores the creator the sustainer the ruler of rulers and so it's deceptive. many in our society i think have developed a worldview that is completely devoid of god or completely devoid of jesus they see him as outdated and even redundant Let me read to you a quote from the American pastor, Tim Keller. He says, this is the philosophy of our age. We've come to realise that we don't need God to explain the world we see. Science does that job for us. And we don't need God or religion to be moral, to love and work for a better world, or to have meaning and fulfilment in life. He goes on and kind of runs this sort of test past us, and i kind of fa- paraphrase, but he says, do you think of yourself as just a complex being of different chemicals without a soul? Do you think love is just a chemical reaction that helps people pass on their genes? That's what Tim Keller's saying is the philosophy of our world. And you see, in this worldview, Jesus has been excluded altogether. Paul says, don't be taken captive by hollow philosophy that depends on human traditions or the elemental spiritual forces of the world. And he goes on to say why, and we see that in verse 9. Let me read it to you. He says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority." See, Jesus is the very fullness of God, Paul is saying. And if a philosophy or a worldview view excludes Jesus, then it must be hollow, because he is God Himself. He's the real head, he's the real power over every authority. Remember, He's supreme in all things. And did you see again in verse ten the Jesus gumboots? boots? In Christ, he says, in Christ you've been brought to fullness. Because we are in Him, we've been made full. I've been thinking about this passage over the the course of the week and I've been wondering how it might impact our lives or how it might impact upon me. See, I trust in Jesus. My worldview includes Him as being supreme. But still, sometimes I like to lay out my own safety net in this world. Perhaps that's because I don't always feel like I'm full in Christ. It's tempting sometimes to put our hope and trust in things other than Jesus, isn't it? might be all sorts of things that you use to put your hope and trust in, to find security. Many of those things are good things on their own, things like education and savings accounts, superannuation funds, health insurance, family that you can rely on. There's nothing wrong with these things, indeed they're good things that have been provided by God. It's great to have health insurance and a superannuation fund, but it's Jesus who is Lord and it's because of His fullness and our union with Him, are being filled in Him, that we can experience the full assurance of salvation. Paul's pleading with the Colossian church, don't depend or trust in any worldview that doesn't have Jesus at the top. He's the one that sustains this world, He's the Creator, He's the true Lord of all. He's the one that guarantees life after death, salvation and peace with God. I wonder this morning, is that how you know Jesus? Is that how you view Him? Do you have a big enough picture of who Jesus is? Paul says, pull on the Jesus gumboot so you don't slip in the mud of life or fall to deceptive philosophies. Well, the second trip hazard for the Colossian church is associated uh, with peer pressure. Have a look at verses 16 to 17. Let me read them to you. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. We'll look in a moment at the context of the therefore in this verse. But here's what I think Paul is saying. Because of what Jesus has achieved on the cross, don't slip in the mud by losing your focus on Jesus because of peer pressure in this world. Don't worry about being judged or being condemned by those who tell you that you're not a real follower of God unless you conform to certain rituals or certain rules. Now, for the Colossian church, what was probably on view here were things associated with Jewish religious practices. Things like kosher eating restrictions. For the Jews these restrictions or these rules set them apart as real followers of God but Paul says, no, to be a real follower of God you need to pull on the Jesus gumboots and walk in Him. What you eat or drink doesn't matter. It's not these rituals or rules, not that they were a bad thing on themselves, Paul calls them shadows but the reality is they don't set us apart anymore. They don't make us more holy or more godly or more set apart. And that's because if you've already got the Jesus gumboots on, if you're walking in Him, then you're filled in Him and you can't be more filled than filled. You might have to picture a cup of milk sitting on the dining room table. I have four kids, they all love drinking milk and for some reason it seems to taste better when the cup is full to the brim. I don't know why that is but on our breakfast table so often in the morning the cup gets overfilled because it tastes better being filled and what happens is it spills everywhere so you can't be more full than filled. Once you're full you can't fit any more in and Paul says don't get distracted don't trip by those who tell you that there is more to knowing God or more to being set apart other than being in Jesus. Today, in our, in our non-Jewish world that we live in, the issues are different, but the principle remains the same, doesn't it? In some circles, you might have heard that you perhaps need to have spoken in tongues to be a real follower of Jesus. Or you might need to have given a certain amount of money, or you might need to dress in a particular way. No, says Paul, pull on the Jesus gumboots and walk in Him, it's being found in Him that matters... The third thing that Paul suggests might trip up the Colossian church is that they might be disqualified because they let their attention slip from Jesus and they put it on something else. If they do that, they forget who the real head is, Jesus. In the case of the Colossian church, that might have had something to do with worshipping angels. Let me read to you from verse 19. Paul says... Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow." I wonder if you've ever been disqualified from something if you have, you probably know how painful disqualification can be. It's a pain well known by Jane Savile. Do you know who Jane was? Jane was an Olympic level Australian walker. During the 2000 Sydney Olympics, Jane was out the front in the 20 kilometre walk. She was approaching the stadium. She could probably hear the crowd roaring. She just had to do one more lap around the inside of that stadium. And when she was a few minutes from entering into the stadium, this happened. There's a photo on the screen. You might remember, she was disqualified. I don't know the exact rules of what walking kind of entails but it was something to do with how she was lifting her heels. She was just a few meters from the stadium and she was disqualified from winning the gold medal. I reckon even the photo just hurts looking at it. Paul uses the language of disqualification here to speak of those who've lost connection with Jesus. He says they're worshipping something else i think our greatest danger here is is that we would just start a slow drift away from jesus to other things we end up worshipping paul says don't get distracted by those around you who worship things other than jesus and so disqualify you no he says pull on the jesus gumboots and walk in him So, here's a recap of our three things. Don't be held captive by empty philosophy. Don't be weighed down by the judgment of others and don't be distracted from Jesus and so be disqualified. And you might at this point be thinking, well, that's all too hard. But I want you to remember the imperative that governs this passage. Paul says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Remember, as those who trust in Jesus, those who have received him as Lord, we're united with him, united with the Creator, the Ruler, the One who is supreme in all things. And so we walk in his strength. To see this I'd like you to turn back to verse 11 of our passage today and if you're looking at these verses for the first time or the first time in a long time it might come as a bit of a surprise to you to see Paul suddenly start talking about circumcision today we know what it is but it's not something we talk about very often and so you might be wondering why is Paul mention it well in the Jewish custom it was a way of marking out people who were set apart as God's chosen and special people and so it may well have been that in the case of the pluralistic and syncretistic society of Colossae, Jews were saying to Christians, if you want to be part of the real people of God, you have to be circumcised. Some of Paul's other letters, particularly his letter to the Galatians, address this topic in much more detail, but here Paul simply shows us that having been incorporated into Jesus, having been buried with Him and raised with Him, there's nothing more we need. Have a look at verse 12, where Paul says, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. So I think what Paul is saying here is that those who are in Christ have actually died to sin just as Jesus died, and just as Jesus was raised to new life, so those who are in Christ are raised to new life through faith. What does that mean? Well, it's really about how those gumboots keep us safe in the mud of life see when we wear those boots the power to die to sin that is the rejection of jesus the power to turn away from deceptive philosophy and peer pressure and from worshiping other things other than jesus that power doesn't come from within us but it comes from jesus and the power to live a new life, to walk in those boots and not get distracted by the world around us, that doesn't come from us either, but from the one who has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, God the Father. And so when we walk in Him, because of the power of God the Father, we can be absolutely confident of our future. Confident knowing that it's in His power... That we're held firm. It's being in Him, walking in Him, that protects us as we move our way through life. It's by His death and by His resurrection that we're forgiven and made new. We've started a new church here in Unley because we want everyone to be walking in Jesus, walking through the difficulties and the uncertainties of life in Him. It's not always an easy task, is it? Just as it was for the Colossian church, there are many distractions that might cause us to slip. But here's the great reality, if we are in Jesus, if we're wearing His gumboots, He will hold us fast. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You that in Him we have all that we need. Father, we ask that you would help us to walk in Him by your power. Father, there's no one else but Jesus to whom we can depend. It's through Him that we have been raised to new life. There is no other name through whom we are redeemed. So, Father, help us to walk in Him. Amen.